Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode million years since I've done a podcast. I've not been in this cupboard recording for a while, so I'm going to be dead rusty, so mm. I'll apologise in advance. <laughs> I love that you're in a cupboard. I, I totally am in a cupboard. I am chuffed to bits to say that on this fine Friday morning, I am speaking to Gia Abernethy and Emma Barry of the Strathclyde Sirens. Thanks for having us. Um, I think I discovered you guys, I think it was only last year, sorry to say, um, and I was very much impressed. I mean, whoever does your social me- social media is all over it. Like, they are nailing it. Because I was like, these guys are so cool. Like, I was totally sold. I was there. And not knowing a lot about netball, I'll put my hands up in the air and say, I think I was on a team at school. I'm sure you hear this all the time. <laughs> um, primary school, definitely not high school. Definitely not. Wasn't in the PE department much in high school. I don't think my, my skill set lies there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just was totally intrigued by you and wanted to know more and I'm sorry it's taken me so long to to get you on the podcast but I'm thrilled that you're here um I guess my first question is why netball why netball should we go first I well I have two other sisters so I naturally just wanted to play a sport that both sisters were playing my mum played it and back home in Australia I guess we're fortunate with the weather that there's plenty of outdoor courts and it's it's so accessible from such a young age so just played it when I was younger because I loved it and then continued to love it with my sisters. So that's kind of why netball for me. Um, for me, um, well, I'm six foot four to start with, so that was a big help for me. Yes, um, Emma. So, yeah, that's um, a main reason for it. But also, like, in primary school, I did a lot of it through primary and that's what all my friends did. So I just kind of started there and stuck at it. In a past life, I was a professional cheerleader. So I have, a, I have some knowledge of the sporting world and what is involved there. <laughs> Although every week I still had to go, have we won? <laughs> <laughs> Which team are we? Which way are we shooting? <laughs> four, four years in, I was a wee bit more clued up. <laughs> First year, not so much. But um, yeah, just can only imagine in terms of what is involved to get to your level. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the year, you know, you've summarised it beautifully. Like, yeah, I just played it like with my family or with my pals and then I'm, now I'm here. But like, I can only imagine the journey has been crazy. I mean, I mean, your journey in itself, Gia, like you've come across the world to play netball. Yeah. So like what has that journey been like for, for both of you? Because I'm guessing there'll be similarities and then so many, so many differences. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, like you said, moving from Australia over here was a huge jump for like my lifestyle, my netball career, all that sort of stuff. I guess I was um, in that daily training environment back home just – working as hard as I could to to crack into that um, contract of 10 for the league back home. And it just um, seemed a little bit out of reach for for me at the time. I, was, I knew I was doing everything I could. It just sort of wasn't happening. So when the opportunity came up to move over here um, and have a crack at the league over in the UK, I definitely jumped at it. I think the initial goal and reasoning behind it was court time. Just wanted to get on court. Um, you know, we train all week as hard as we can not to sit on the bench. So um, that was sort of the main reason why I made the move. But it kind of evolved into the main reason that I've stayed over here is just because I 
fell in love with the UK. Glasgow in particular is so unique. Um, <laughs> took me a couple years to get the accent sorted and realise we're all still speaking English. It's just uh, the, the, the language barrier still comes up every now and then. But, no, just, yeah, fell in love with the league over here and, and how it runs and the group of girls. So, um, yeah, from what sort of started as quite a selfish move in terms of my netball career ended up being one of the best ones I made in terms of the team environment. So, yeah, having a ball in terms of that part of where my journey is now. Um, my journey is kind of – so, basically, I got almost, like, scouted by another player, Claire Brownie. I went to this camp and she seen me and then was like – oh, you just need to, like, so then she got the under-17s coach to come down and see me and stuff. So my journey is quite different from a lot of people. Like, I jumped quite a few stages at the start. Like, I then go through the pathway um, at a young age. I came kind of straight into it when I was, like, 14. So I've, like, worked my way up through under-17s, under-21s into the senior team. And then while I was doing that, Sirens was created. So I was a training partner for a, year, for a few years and then kind of slotted into the team in the last years. I think this is my third year. So my journey has been quite different to a lot of people's, but equally as good of course of course yeah just I, I massively admired like the dedication to you know your love of the sport and the passion and wanting to pursue that as as a career do you know what I mean and making those leaps and and, and believing in yourself enough to to, to go after it. I think that it, it really inspiring for anybody listening but I think particularly for young people who do have a passion for sport or like you know the you know kind of aptitude for sport because I was reading like the Strathclyde side and so they were obviously developed, I think, what year was it, 2016? 16, I think. 16, yes, yeah. I did yeah. that. So, Shackley Sirens are the UK, the, sorry, Scotland's only semi-professional national female sports team yeah. competing, so, like, UK-wide. Yeah. That, I mean, like, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that quote uh, or that phrase exactly, but it is, it is quite cool to think that, especially in terms of netball, that we are the most you know, professional team in Scotland competing in the UK-wide league. So it's quite cool that even though we're based in Glasgow and we're not a Scottish side, we are sort of representing everyone up north for that sort of, I guess, title in the league. So, no, it is quite cool to compete against everyone else with that um, support backing us into it all. And initially there was the connection with Strathclyde University, if I'm right in saying, because I went to Strathclyde Uni. We've got a few in the team that go there. Yeah, Is that right? All right, so you're, are you studying at the, at the moment, Emma? Yeah, yeah, I'm in second year at Strath. What are you studying? Um, I study sport and physical activity. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess if there's anybody listening to this podcast and is thinking along the same lines of me, like really don't know enough about netball, first of all, what are the rules of netball? What should we know about? Like, what is the 101 on netball? Like, this, I mean, the bare minimum where you guys are like, this everybody should know this like how many players are on a team what are yeah. the rules <laughs> yeah so seven players on court from each team at once you can obviously have more on the bench so there's seven v seven everyone every position has a certain area on court they're allowed to go it's not like basketball where everyone can run everywhere only two players on court the goal shooter and the goal attack are the ones that can score unlike basketball where everyone can put shots up um, I guess the, I think the one thing about netball that sets it apart from other sports is that you can only have the ball for three seconds, which means that it's constantly moving. There's like you just have to sort of keep going and going and going and it, it moves so quickly that sort of to keep up with the pace and, and the flow and the play, it's that's what's exciting about it, whereas sort of in basketball you can kind of 
drown the clock out, work out who you want to pass to, all that sort of stuff. Whereas in netball, it's so just pick it up and go. So I think that's a huge That's yep. like hee-haw time. Like, yeah. I think, you know, and we'll get to like the training aspects and, you know, how physically fit you need to be. But just that, the mental speed that you need to work at, do you know what I mean? To be on it. Three seconds is like nothing. I can't believe that. That is, I definitely don't remember that from my no. very school <laughs> netball career. <laughs> Did I forget any, um, any rules? There is also the footwork rule, which everyone thinks means you can't run with the ball. But right. um, basically you can take like two steps. So yeah, you can't like dribble or whatever either with the ball, which is different from basketball. I guess when we're describing people, you almost kind of always go, it's just like basketball, but you can't run with the ball. <laughs> you can't bounce the ball. Um, but yeah, and you carry hog the ball because you get three things. Yeah, no, no, can't be some selfish, some selfish goal shooter that just holds onto the ball and makes it about them. <laughs> cool. Thank you for straightening that in my head because, as I said, like it's it's not something I remember from primary school. I just remember being not very good at it, but but enjoying it nonetheless. I feel like so, you with your dancing, you'd be much more coordinated than us anyway. Yeah. Like you actually yeah. have rhythm and timing. We we <laughs> don't have anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being so optimistic about my play. <laughs> um, I'm not so convinced. Um, so a day in the life of, because I can only imagine, like, so we've scheduled this recording this morning because you've already been up and at them. Like, what have you what have you achieved this morning? Like, let's just like, put this into perspective because I've achieved right. very little. I've fed the cat. <laughs> what have you done? So today we were up for a court session at seven. AM this morning. We do it that early just because we've got full-time workers in our team. So um, it means everyone can access when we're on court, we try and do as much of it together because obviously we're a team sport. So we can put that into practice. And then after that at 8.30, we got over and jumped into the gym, just moving around some weights, getting our bodies nice and strong, whatever the program program was. So yeah, to sort of have those two sessions done, wrapped up by um, you know, quarter to quarter to ten was quite a. It's quite a nice feeling when it's done. Yes. Not so nice when your alarm goes yeah. off. We were on court last night as well. Um, just fitting a session in, sort of last night. So, good chunk of training in the last twenty four hours. But it's um always nice come Friday lunchtime when you know you're done for the rest of the day. <laughs> yep. Totally. In terms of the intensity of the training and being on court, you know, aside from from games themselves like how often are you training we do like three weight sessions a week and then we're on court maybe like oh, four or five sessions okay um so yeah it is the majority of days but like almost like variation so we won't do like weight three days in a row like we spread that out um so it's not all the same thing but yeah we're on court quite a lot yeah mm. on court like doing a mix of speed work agility work conditioning work match play and then obviously just your normal netball training drills and and whatnot so um good mix of stuff that it's not I think that's the best thing about netball when you're training because if you're doing another sport like athletics or it's very repetitive because it's one certain skill whereas because we kind of have to be semi-okay at all of it we have to practice all of it so the week yeah it gets a nice variety which is nice Mm. And obviously you have a massive then team behind you that are kind of setting all this up and the training programmes and, you know, you'll have your people that are looking after you. There'll, there'll be so many things going on in the background to make sure that this all happens and it happens like clockwork for you. 
Yeah. No, so we're um, really fortunate that we have the Scottish Institute of Sport um, as well supporting us. We've got our Strathclyde Sirens coaches and coaching team and management team um, working alongside the Netball Scotland sort of performance team as well as, uh, yeah, the Institute. So um, very, very fortunate in terms of how many staff mm. we have supporting us for our, our programs and whatnot. So is your home uh, the Emirates, Serena? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So is that where all your training and everything happens kind of there? Yeah, yeah, there. And then sometimes, obviously, at the at the University of Strathclyde, they've got that brand new, beautiful gym yeah. facility in the city. Um, on the top floor, there's two netball courts, which are uh, ah. a great sort of assistance to have um, with the gym and all that. So that is quite a lovely new building to be able to train and get access to. Totally. But I'm just thinking when you were seeing Emma, like you're studying as well. So like you obviously have lives on top of this but you know there'll be other there'll be people in the team that are studying and working and like there'll be all sorts of kind of walks of life and people at different stages and there will be a spectrum so like can you kind of give us an idea of what the team looks like at the moment and what what's going on in everyone's lives yeah so there's two or three of us are students there's not actually that many students anymore they used to be quite a lot and um, quite a few are teachers we've got emily who's a lawyer um your best that's doing like yeah. the marketing sales stuff, a few coaches, a good mix, which is nice. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. And but that you know, that's like a lot on top of you know, you it, this is not a hobby. You know, this podcast is a hobby. I can if, I, if I'm too busy, I can decide not to do this. Yeah. Like you're a professional team, so the the juggling act that must be involved to keep everything on top of everything, like it's huge, but it just shows you the commitment to the sport and how much you must love it because, yeah, to be on the court at seven o'clock this morning, that's that's a commitment in itself. And, you know, people who do sports or have a passion that they're, you know, that they want to make space in their life for, they'll do it. I mean, I've got a friend who's like in the sea every yeah. morning at like yeah. stupid o'clock, you know, and that's not their job. <laughs> that's just they, they want to make that happen. So I know people do that, you know, but it's another level in terms of when you're pay, playing professionally, you know, and there's an expectation on you to be at your peak all the time. Yeah, I think as well with the team sport, you know, even though we're both not working nine to five full-time jobs, there are players in the team that do. So in order to train together and actually train as a team, it's just that decision that you're going to do that to make sure it suits everyone. So um, we're not in a position yet to be a full-time program, just netballers can train 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., the peak sort of rest, but um it's quite nice because you know everyone's there for the right reasons and, and they're yes. to make it as easy as possible for each other. So, yeah, teams, I don't know why people play individual sports. <laughs> I just can't imagine. <laughs> and um, in terms of like your time within the, the team so far, what have been the real highlights? And they might not be the most obvious ones, but, yeah, you, I mean, you can literally, you can showboat in terms of all your achievements as, as a team, but also just moments for you that have stood out personally. Um, so last season was our best season so far. We had the most wins and stuff that we've had. So that's obviously a big standout that shows that all our work and building in the previous seasons is like paid off and we're finally able to perform to what we knew we were capable of the full time. I've also been to Netball World Cup in Liverpool um what was it, twenty nineteen? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd say that's probably my highlight playing in that. Because I was Gosh. 17 as well, so I was quite young at the time. But Jesus. that's, I'd say, yeah, that's my personal highlight. Yeah, of course. So very cool. Yeah, I'd probably just going along what Emma said about um, last season in a really horrendous year where you couldn't do much other than 
play netball and stay home. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to spend that time together and travel together and still able to do what we train so hard to do was actually really fun. I think we made the most of our time together away from court for what we were allowed to do. We've never appreciated going for a coffee as a group as much as we did last season. So um, as as silly as it seems, and it's not like a, a medal around our neck, just the, the culture and the um, morale between players last year was, yeah, a huge highlight for the club. And I think it put us in good stead for success we had because it's a happy team, plays well, and winning obviously helps. But um, it all came hand in hand last year, which is great. But I guess like being in... Um... In professional sport, I think you must have that kind of mindset where you're able to like look at things logically, but also it's like you're always looking for an action plan. Do you know what I mean? Like you're facing a hurdle and an issue, and that is your that's your remit. You've got to figure it out and make it work. So I guess if anybody's going to na- be able to navigate difficult times, it's yourselves. Yeah, and I think because we had the green light from the government to still train when no one else was allowed to, it it made you really want to play well for everyone sitting at home that hasn't been able to have a netball season in two years like we were the fortunate ones that could actually go to training and and get together so yeah every every session even if your body was sore you couldn't be bothered or it was a drive to get there you just had to always remind yourself not everyone's allowed to do this right now and we can so why would we whinge you're talking about like a netball season so how long is the season and when in the year does that happen um, last season was, was it February? Yeah. February to May-ish time. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and because of COVID last year, it was like a centralised venue. Um, so for half the season, we were in Wakefield, and then the other half, we were down in London, which I enjoyed the centralised <laughs> venue, but I think it's going back to normal. So normally we do like home and away games. So right. the plan is for next season to be that, but obviously COVID is still... So you never know what's going to happen, but yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, just under five months of yeah. the season and then about five months of pre-season, it feels like. Yeah. You'll probably start around uh, October and go until Feb, so. And I guess, like, looking back at times where you have been able to, like, travel about and, and see different places like that, that in itself was a bit of an adventure, do you know what I mean? Because, like, you're getting to, to go to new places and new, pe- new people and obviously your head's in the game, I guess, like, and there'll be an element of like, we're, we're just here to do a job. But I guess there'll be different experiences along the way that you're like, oh, that was cool when we got to do that or we got to see that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, where did you travel for? You've travelled to some pretty cool places for netball. Um, yeah, for Scotland Under-21's um, Netball World Cup, we went to Botswana. So, wow. Um, so that was pretty cool. We got to go on like a safari and stuff. And we also, we went to New Zealand. That's where we actually first met Gio um, for a competition. Yeah, it's because usually it's like, Airport, hotel, venue. Yeah, fair but when you, yeah. when you make it like a big overseas trip, you do get to add a few little yeah. token mm. activities onto the the start of the end. So it's always nice to make the most of that. Of course, I, you know I can't ask you to talk about the highlights and not talk about the hurdles. Um, have there been not even particular moments, but just like within the sport itself, like there, literally, what would you class as a hurdle? Yeah, probably. One of the hurdles we're facing at the moment just in this, the last couple of years is we've gotten so much more professional and um, more into that daily training environment in the league over here, but there is still just that huge gap in um, funds and pay, just meaning that we can't take that extra step into a full-time program yet. Um, that I mean, it's one of those things we could have a whole other two-hour discussion about the, the pay and all that sort of stuff, but 
it's just a cycle of investing into women's sport to then create a product, to then invest back into the players, um, yeah. to then commit into that as well. So, yeah, uh, we're definitely getting getting closer and closer to the goal. Um, mm-hmm. The players that sort of played 10 years ago have fought quite hard for us currently now and, and we're fighting hard for the players in another 10 years as well. But um, probably as a whole, that's the biggest hurdle our, our sport as a female a female semi-professional sort of league is is facing just that that next jump to then make it full time and and be able to commit to netball as your job over here yeah. um, because not everyone can say that over in this league in Australia and New Zealand they can but we're just not there yet so yeah that's probably our, our hurdle I guess like coverage we were we weren't on TV every week a couple of years mm-hmm. ago um, that's one blessing that COVID did was because we couldn't have crowds. We had to have every game live streamed either on Sky or YouTube. So yes. that's the first time that's happened over here, which was brilliant. Every single game was was accessible. So it's a great step in the right direction in what a pandemic sort of could have thrown at us. Yeah, and, I mean, for me, like, having this podcast, it's like, you know, if you've got a platform to shout about stuff that's important, then use it. Do you know what I mean? And that's important because I think I, I read – that on your website about you just the gender inequality and I think we're all aware to an extent even if you don't follow a sport or a team particularly I think that we're of course we're aware that they're in terms of just more women being in sport and and it being on a level playing field is is not happening I like how you you know you definitely use the word yet that you're not quite there yet and that's that's to be on that mission kind of thing like I've other I spoke to other sports people on the podcast um, I spoke to Hope Gordon who's a para canoeist and oh. even within her sport, she said there's you know, there's definitely areas of our sport that she, they're working on to, to create more equality. And, you know, it's just like it must just be a continuous battle alongside just trying to stay focused in, your, in what you're doing and, and doing the best job possible. Yeah, I think there's that subtle saying that you've got, you've got to put us in the public eye so younger kids can see that there oh. are women actually doing that. There are women playing professional sports, training hard. There are women as CEOs, there are women owning podcasts. It's all just if you can see it as an example, it's so much better than trying to sort of think of what exists and all that sort of stuff. So totally. um, like you said at the beginning of this podcast with our social media, I think our marketing and digital team did a great job. It just yeah. we're not so great at talking about ourselves and pumping ourselves out there, but with the back well, you're doing head. a grand job today. <laughs> yeah, she looks really comfortable talking about how great she is. <laughs> Come on, Emma. <laughs> it's your time to show, but <laughs> yeah, I can understand you. Yeah. It's not everybody's forty. I could talk all day, although I'm, I much prefer listening to other people talk about themselves. <laughs> although I can turn it on if I need to. Do. <laughs> I think that's just the, the performer in me. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I know it's, it's really important, and I guess like for your fans as well, like you you'll have collated you know a, a loyal team of fans who are going to come and see you when obviously when permitted to, and and it must be really exciting for them to be able to see you online and on TV more. Do you know what I mean? Because like when you support a team, you want to see them everywhere, and you want to see them do really well. And working in schools a lot, I understand that you can't be it if you can't see it. So I think it's really cool what you're doing to put yourselves out there, even if it is uncomfortable for you at times. <laughs> um, because yeah, it is important that young people understand you you can you can do that. That is a job. You know, I mean, people. It wasn't that long ago that people were saying to me like, so, so like you you get work like like doing dance, <laughs> like as if it was like 
a Mickey Mouse job. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, like, right. Like, what, what kind of things? Like, it just seemed totally alien to some yeah. people that that would be, yeah. that I could sustain myself, like I could have a, a house. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I pay my bills with this, you know, this kind of work. And I think for some people, just um, sports people seem a lot of the time godlike because they're I guess the, who you're seeing on TV more and, and the kind of lavish lifestyles and they, people seem untouchable but I think it's important that anybody playing a sport puts themselves out there to say yeah like you can do this and this has been my journey and it's not always been it's not linear and it's not always easy yeah. but if you want it enough this can be part of your life that you can do this for sure especially when you see fo- you know footballers and rugby players because they are so uh, such high profile you you think when they were 10 to 15 years old they weren't godlike then they all no. started as just playing in the backyard so even though they're there now and they're earning gazillions it's they weren't earning gazillions when they were 10 years old so and that also doesn't validate you just because you're earning gazillions either do you know what I mean it's like about putting out the, the message that you can do something that you love yeah, money aside and yeah. accolades aside, do you know what I mean? That you can pursue a goal because you you both clearly had a passion for the sport and that you wanted to take it one step further and you wanted it to be your profession and that that, that can happen, do you know what I mean? And it gives aliens aside. Yeah, well, especially in netball because there's no such thing. You know we love it because it's not gazillions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's like I think that's what I got from your social media that, that you that there's an element you you care about the sport but you care about putting it out there into the public eye and, and put it to the forefront and that's important for, for young people to see or anybody to see actually I keep saying young people but I just think because adults stop dreaming as well I, I read a thing the other day there and there was this woman she was like 75 and she's always wanted to do ballet and she's just started going to a class like a ballet class and I'm like I like yeah. why do we stop going after our goals when we're at yeah. an age so yeah for sure like I think it's really cool really cool um and in terms of um like your role models growing up who were you admiring like uh, probably work ethic I would say my elder sister um mm. she's shorter than me so everyone always thought I was older than her um but she so she had to work extra, extra hard. She's obviously not playing in a professional league, but she bloody worked hard to get, you know, where she's playing now and mm. her education and her work life. So, um, I mean, as, as corny and as cringy as it is, like I'll have to say my sisters because they're also the first ones that I don't want to disappoint. Like it's, it works both ways. So yes, um, I hear that. that. Well, I had a captain at my last club. Her name was Jane Fitzgerald. An absolute legend of our club and as a leader she just taught me so many behavioural characteristics that I kind of wanted to take in whether you know with the title or not into every team environment so um she was probably another role model I had looking at and she would never know because she's not that type of person to do things for you know affirmations or anything like that but no she was brilliant in terms of just got on with the job and, and wanted to get the best out of everyone so I tried to take heaps of what she taught me when she was my captain into how I sort of act as a leader now. Yeah, I'd probably say I want, yeah, I also want to do well for my family. They helped a lot during my journey of driving me everywhere when I was younger and they're always at games and always doing what they can to help. Baz's dad's yeah. the one that rocks up to the network yeah. and a kilt. Dad's always there in his kilt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's that? also where you got your height from, so yes. thank you. Yes, thanks, so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> and I should have asked this earlier, in terms of your positions within the team like 
How do you decide your like goal attack or goal shot? How does that? How does that get decided? Who decides that? To be honest, when everyone's eight years old, everyone wants to be a shooter because okay, that's the glamorous they're the, bit. Isn't they're it? the glory seekers, the princesses. They're the ones that get all the credit. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with your height, yeah. which is why you see so many people who start out at goal shooter, goalkeepers, end up in the mid court because they might be really tall when they're younger, and then when everyone else has their growth spurts and they stay. They're not. Right. So I think height has a lot to do yeah. with it. Probably your mm, your character. With, like when you meet a defender, you know they're a defender. They've got that almost bullish, just <laughs> relentless sort of inside them, um, whereas yeah. attackers are a bit more how can I out- outwit the rest of the, the team. Yeah, probably a little yeah. bit that. So height and personality. Yeah. So you're a goal... Shooter, Emma. I am, yeah. Where'd you start, though? I was a goalkeeper. Um, ah. So, yeah, normally if you're tall, you start on one of the hens. You're either a goalkeeper or a goal shooter. Um, but, yeah, it was Claire Maxwell who changed me from a keeper to shooter. So I never go shooter. I reckon that's <laughs> the personality bit, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, think... I wasn't really good at the goalkeeper. <laughs> I know, you would have been good. <laughs> I, mean, well, I can't imagine you looking at someone thinking, no. I'm going to run through you to get an intercept. Look, you're more, what can I do to make myself as available for the team as possible? You're such a team player, Baz. What can I see? <laughs> what can you see? And you know, what position are you then? A centre, so any of the mid-court in the, in the middle. Ah, yeah. I just have to run. I don't have to. No one expects me to get any intercepts and, or no one expects me to set up play. As long as I, as long as I can run 60 minutes out, um, I'm all good for the moment. <laughs> got you, got you. And you were talking about moving into a leadership role. So, how, how was that transition for you? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool. I um, was voted in as captain in my second season here, which was which was quite a nice feeling that I saw people sort of buy into the standards I wanted to set. I guess in the team, I think. I mean, you met me all those years ago. I I don't think I would have changed how I behaved if I was if I was had a title or not. I kind of have that um, demanding personality that if I think you can do better and give better, I'll let you know. Um, I, if I respect you enough, I know you're going to take it the right way. We can have this conversation. So um, I kind of had that in me anyway. It's more just been a nice transition coming in and, and, and getting that role and to sort of see the team grow with the standards we've set and everyone sort of buy into it and, and see the end result. I know it's worth it. I think that's been been really good for everyone. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's a fun group, especially because we're all, I know we're not similar ages, but we actually genuinely like each other off court, which always helps as a group. Um, That doesn't always happen in teams and there's always going to be a couple you don't actually have to get along with. You just have to respect for the common goal. But we kind of all enjoy each other's company, which is brilliant. Do you have personal goals, either of you, for moving forward in your sport that you, you're you're working towards or just a goal for the team yeah. in itself? Um, yes. So for in terms of Scotland, well, the Commonwealth Games are next year. So I'm looking to be selected for that. And obviously, silence as well. I guess our goal is almost just to meet last year's standard um, and obviously just do our best. At all times, <laughs> to your best. Yeah, to your best. I think we um, yeah. 
fighting for that top four spot in the in the Super League for Science will be a huge goal. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone thinks we can do it. We've never done it before since we've been a club. Um, fourth to seventh on the ladder last year all got decided in the last couple of weeks, which is brilliant for the league. Um, heartbreaking for us. We had two draws last year, which hindsight's obviously an incredible thing. If we'd won them and not drawn them, we would have been in. But like I said, it, it's something we've never done before, so it's it's that next step that we want to take and, and really push and challenge those teams. So the best thing about no one expecting you to do it is there's no target on your back. So when we do achieve that, which we will, we'll annoy a lot of people, but it's going to feel brilliant doing it. Uh, love that. <laughs> and um, what is plan of attack, if you like, for, for 2022? With Thistles, we have a lot next year, obviously, with Commies. In the summer, we are quite a big team, so it's like everyone is fighting for spots, so just okay. whenever we have training, we're also competing with each, with each other um, to mm. try and make that team, and then when, when we get to Commies, it's like matching our rankings, so we're ranked 8th in the world just now, but Wow, World Cup, we did not match our ranking, so our goals are just to pr- prove that we deserve to be eighth in the world and challenge the teams above us and hopefully in the future moving up that ranking. Yeah, and then at Sirens, I think we took a huge jump last season um, going from, I think the year before, we won three games for the whole year, which is mm-hmm. not fun and doesn't look good on the win-loss record or the ladder. So I think we won 10, drew two, lost eight. Last year, which is to go from three wins to ten wins and two draws is is huge. So yes. um, obviously we can't replicate that or else we'd be top of the ladder unbelievable. I mean, it'd be brilliant if we did, but we also want to be realistic. So just getting higher than sixth will be the goal and I think it's just more getting used to that daily training environment of fighting every single match for, for a win because as we worked out, every single game and every single opportunity to get points will contribute to that. So, yeah, just training bloody hard and, like you said, competing with each other at training because you put yourselves in the best position moving forward when you face everyone else. If we can make training as hard as possible to win, it'll be easy when we get to the game. So, um, yeah, yeah working our butt off. <laughs> in terms of, like, little mantras or little re- regimes or, do you, you know, I don't know if there's any kind of superstition within... The, the sirens to go no we have to do this or you have you know this is the kind of ritual before a game are there any of these kind of things that go on I guess people all have their own personal ones but <laughs> does the team do anything collectively uh, we normally go for a coffee but that's true that's <laughs> true um, well, yeah. so if there, I don't have anything that I'm doing I took the warm up last year I mm-hmm. had to make sure I left time mm-hmm. before um, we did half court to a bathroom break because everyone even if you have two hours before warm-up to go, when it's 10 minutes before the first whistle, everyone needs to go. So <laughs> that's, I feel like that's just became part of our weekly routine. That it's like, Everybody no, no. needs the toilet. Literally, <laughs> I, I go around there and go, now is your time, go now, because it's your last <laughs> opportunity. But no, I think we're cool. I think because COVID um, made everything so unpredictable and we had to be <laughs> so adaptable, we didn't really have any superstitions because... Then, then they, you know, if they don't happen and you have a bad game, you blame it on that. So mm. I think we did quite well as a team to just be like, there's absolutely no excuses for whatever's going to happen here. We just had to go on with it. So we were very, very adaptable last year, which I'm very proud of. No one travelled more than we did to get to London every single week, but we didn't win and we did very, very well and beat the teams that didn't have to travel. So 
yeah, no superstitions or anything that has to happen because we just had to be adaptable last season. I hate when people say good luck for the weekend because I think if we win, is it going to be luck or is it coming down to luck? It's like, no, we've actually just worked so hard and done everything we can. If we're going to win, it's because we earned it, not because it's luck. Yeah, just going to smash it. Uh Yeah, totally. And in terms of, like, the atmosphere within courtside when their fans are there I guess it's difficult when there is a pandemic and I guess people are only in the last few months being allowed to go back into stadiums and see sport live kind of thing does that have an impact in terms of your performance do you think like just having your fans there um our silence fan base is pretty good um yeah they're very good so having I don't know I wouldn't say it affects your performance but it's almost just nice for us to see the support and for us to be able to show them, like, perform for them. And we had a pre-season friendly not that long ago at Emirates where we were like, able to get fans in for the first time in two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it's good yeah. to be able to see everyone. And then we have, like, a wee fan zone at the end where all the kids come up and get our autographs and stuff. So it's just, uh, so and, nice. adults. Yeah, and, and adults. adults. Yeah, and adults. Yeah, of <laughs> course. It's like fans over yeah. and you get your group of mums that have come in and yeah. they're like, we have a photo and you go, hey, guys. Yeah. Um, so that that's really nice. fun. Yeah, yeah, they're probably yeah. They don't they don't affect performance, I guess, because no. you kind of just switch on. But Jesus, nice when you hear them them cheering if it gets close or they're riding every single ball with you. It's you kind of hear the roar and you're like, all right, now we want to win. We want to get this on the board just for them, so then they've enjoyed their experience and give back to them. Like you said, they stuck with us through two years of no no home crowds mm. to to still be on board. Um, is a huge, a huge passion and dedication. So, no, we love the Siren Tribe. That's awesome. All of it, Siren Tribe. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Within the team, what are you both kind of known for? Like, uh, you know, there'll always be people in the team that are like the, the, the one that keeps everybody together, the granny. There'll be somebody that always needs to like pee at the most inappropriate times. Like, <laughs> what would you say <laughs> are you famous for within the squad? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to do you. Okay. <laughs> So Baz is, how old are you, 19? Yeah. I love being around her because she makes the team also all feel 19. She'll um, have a TikTok sound that she thinks is hilarious, which I don't understand, but then I see her, like, bent over and laughter, and then I start enjoying it as well. So I think Baz brings that, um, you're not a, you're not a, you're not the class clown, but you're almost just like the one that just chews everybody out, has an easy gag without meaning to be funny that everyone just wants to sort of enjoy the next couple of hours of training because she's there. She's always up for a coffee, which is brilliant. If, I mean, she definitely has a social life. I mean, she's just always free, but if you ever <laughs> bored and want to do something and there's a small group of us going, you can always count she'll be there for the team. Yeah. Are you the socialite of the group, am I? <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um... For you, Don't call we me old. no. I'm not going to say we go. <laughs> if you ever refer to Gia as our mum, she's always she's very on it. You just always know what to do in situations, so she's very good in that way. And <clears throat> yeah, you're not old. You're always up for fun. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy a lot. <laughs> I like how you just said the caveat there. We're not saying you're old. Maybe that. Maybe the one, the the older sister. Yeah, the okay, yeah, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Thanks, Gita. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be everybody in the squad will have their own quirks and things, but that makes everybody unique and that is what, I guess, makes you a family. Yeah. 
yeah, how boring it would be if we were all the same person. You'd get you'd get sick of each other, I reckon. Yeah, I can only see just like I'm not gonna see I'm going not gonna say good luck because it's not about luck. So <laughs> say, like, all all the best for moving forward. You're it seems to me like you're totally smashing it and like now that I have like a further interest in, in what you're doing. So I hope I hope to be able to come along and see you play in real life, like in actual yeah. real life. For sure, um, for sure. I do, I do a thing on the podcast called the Hingamajigs. Don't freak out, right? It's just, the Hingamajigs. The, the Hingamajigs. There's a, there's a no, one for you. The Hingamajigs are just random questions. I've got like a list of like seventy odd, and if you don't mind, I'm going to pick a few. Yeah, you to okay. answer. No pressure. It's just what you would say today. So, do you call it roasted cheese or toasted cheese? Roasted cheese. See, you were all over that, Emma. You were in there. Me too. Hi. I'm toasted passionate. cheese. No, what's roasted? Can you, you roast that under the ground? I call it roasted cheese. Good. Where are you? Where are you from, Emma? Um. Well, I say Glasgow, but like down near Hamilton area. I'm from Bell Hill. This oh, is why we both call it roasted cheese. Yeah. See, it's an Atlantic thing. When I read that, I thought it was Bell Shoe. Because <laughs> 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 like, of course it looks like it. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I'm actually not. Read it on the sign. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm just impressed, you know, you've heard it before. Yeah, yeah. I've been here four years. I know. <laughs> you, you, you know your way about. Well, there you go. That's, that must be why, Emma. It must be a Lanarkshire thing. Oh, this is quite a nice one. Best thing about Scotland? Uh, the people. <laughs> I'm going to go with the accents. I love yeah. the accents. I actually had an Uber driver this morning who <laughs> was as Glaswegian as you get. I Like I just said, I've been here four years, but I still love it, and I still take a moment to be like... <laughs> Cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Love it. Um, best day you've ever had? And let's put it in the context of the sirens. Mine would be when we beat um, Wasps Netball yeah. last season. So really quick story because I know we're running out of time. The very So we played each team twice. And last year, the very first game, we have never beaten Wasps before in Sirens history. And we were up by one. Mm-hmm. We were going to win, and I threw a ball into hands in the last eight seconds, and someone deflected on the other team. They quickly got it down, and they scored, and we drew. So we didn't lose, but naturally I felt it was my responsibility that we didn't win. We played them again later on that season, so what, in like uh, April whatever, mm-hmm. and we won. We were in London. Selfishly, I got player of the match. We went out that night for drinks because it was like just after the restrictions had, so we had a team social and yes. as a club, that moment was like we could not play another game for the rest of the season and then it felt good enough. It, like, I mean, Wasps are a huge uh, franchise with a great history, but last year we didn't look at them as untouchable. We looked at them as definitely beatable. So when we finally did it, it was more just like a, we knew, like, yeah, that was a brilliant day, I think. The question that I do ask everybody, so I switch these up for all the podcast guests, but the only one that I do repeat is, what is your favourite Scots word or phrase? I feel like I say no a lot. Yeah, but no, yeah. N-A-W is like, no, no, man, no. Yeah, I don't know. I, like I, I love when you say, did you? Did you? Did you? It's always like, you patronising, condescending, sarcastic, like, oh, you hero, did you? Good in my accent, but every time she says it, I repeat it because it's just brilliant. Oof, <laughs> oof is a great word too. Oof, no one's ever said that on the podcast, actually. Yeah. Oof, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she's. I think she's just full of them because every time she speaks or opens her mouth, so she sends me voice notes. I have to play them for my boyfriend because we're both like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot thank you both enough for doing this. Um, it's a massive honour that you've taken time out of your busy schedules to come on the Brown the Brave. I wish you all the best, and um, I will be following you now with Betty Breath, and hopefully I'll be able to come and see. Uh, what you're up to in real life um, but thanks so much no thank you, you for having us it's been a right laugh so that's been great thank you so much thank you I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now